Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. Uh, We're glad you are here. We're glad you're back. And I've got a special treat for you today. I have got an old dear friend. She's not old. Our relationship is old. We go back many, many years to our corporate days. Um, Teresa Sandy. And I'm so glad she's here because I can't wait to get just my own strategies and and just pick her brain as a coach. Um, She's the founder of Mirror Mirror Strategies, really focused on leadership development, um, helping, you know, consulting in those HR departments and helping organizations really figure out how to thrive and support their leaders. She's also the author of Find Your Fierce, and I'm sure we will talk about this today, um, imposter syndrome and all of those things that every single one of us deals with on a daily basis, myself included. Um, She's a speaker. She speaks all over the country. Uh, She's also what I would like to call a corporate escapee. Um, It's a very important title that I hold dear. Is nothing wrong with corporate. We had wonderful careers that you'll hear about in her story in corporate, but we both, you know, went on this journey of how do we increase our impacts, right? How do we live into our purpose a bit more? And so it looks different for both of us today than it did when we first knew each other. So thanks for being here, Teresa. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, I am too. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I'm excited to, to chat through all the things. (laughs) <laughs> yes. So I want you to start with, with your journey, right? We don't do bios. I'd rather just have you talk through like, what's gotten you to this point in your success, right? In your career. I know a small snippet of that from the time we worked together, but there's just, there's so much more to people's journeys. And I'd love you to just start with sharing that with our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I am an old friend, it's a long time. (laughs) No. Um, Well, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of things that sort of overlap and are interconnected, you know, that we'll sort of unpack and talk about, but really how I came to write about imposter syndrome, how I came to follow a really awesome corporate career for 25 years and then make the leap. It does kind of stem back from, you know, the start of our journeys. I mean, I think about it. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I always tell people, you know, they'll say, oh, Milwaukee, I grew up there too. And then they they list a suburb or someplace that's like 45 minutes away. And I'm like, no, no, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My my dad was a police officer in Milwaukee. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like we we had to live in the city. We were in the city. And the awesome thing about that is um, I didn't really know any different. So like now as an adult, I look back and I realize we actually didn't have any money. <laughs> We really didn't live in a great neighborhood. Um, But what I've also come to appreciate is, you know, we always had food on the table. We always had support from our parents. We always had, you know, really great conversations about life. And I was always surrounded by diversity. I didn't realize the gift that that was until I went to college, actually. And People made assumptions about me like, oh, you know, you're a Caucasian, very white, blonde, uh, tall, blonde, you know, person from Wisconsin. Surely you must have always grown up with some sort of privilege. And and yes, there is privilege just being, you know, white and a female, 100 percent. And it's like I found myself feeling very uh, frustrated by that because because they were projecting on me you know, oh, you must have grown up with money or you must have grown up in this situation. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. 
And I realized that I had sort of this identity crisis at a pretty young age. You know, I was 18, 19 years old and I found myself being fiercely proud of where I came from and my background and like wanting to tell people. And then I had people coaching me like, oh, maybe don't mention that. Well, just go ahead and, you know, if they want to open the door for you, just let them. And I'm like, I am so conflicted on this. So you fast forward and and I think it shaped who I am. I mean, it did shape who I am, but it also shaped the type of work I decided to do. You know, the work that I get really passionate about that I do today in my consulting around really good leaders, really um, in-tune, self-aware leaders and healthy cultures, right? I mean, that's what it's about, where people feel like they can belong. So um, anyway, that's, that's, you know, sort of all the way back in the beginning, a little bit about me. Um, and then, you know, I followed a, a career path, did my undergrad, ended up being one of the first people, my brother and I both, the first people in our family to go on um, to go to college, but then also to get our master's degrees. And that set me down a path because my master's was in organizational effectiveness. And that's where I just really got to start working in organizations and saying, what really makes it effective? And it comes down to the people and the leaders and the culture. I mean, yes, it's the work you do and the production and the operations and your margins and revenue, but it's it's the people. Like that's the common thread. Right. It's so funny that, you know, and again, you worked with me in corporate, you know, during a period of time of, of my corporate life. But when people ask me, right, I'm trying to sum up like 15 years, right, of a career in one company. And, yeah. and they're like, what did you do? And I, the way I now describe it is, is transformation, right? Helping to evolve the business in a lot of different ways. And there was a million different projects, but it was all about the human side, right? And yes. the human energy. And that's what I tell people now is that was the most important piece. And so I think it's funny that you and I both kind of, that's, it's a broad you know spectrum of things you've done, but it is about getting human energy aligned and driving in a certain direction. I get this question all the time, you know, somebody will look at my LinkedIn and they'll say, oh, wow, you know, you worked at Intel and then you went from high-tech manufacturing over to Capital One financial services. And then you went from there to agriculture, you know, and then you went to healthcare and like you kind of bopped all over the place. And I'm like, well, it's a very normal thread for me because what's common across all of that is complex organizations with lots and lots of people and leaders that are all trying to figure this out. And so to me, it makes perfect sense. And oh, by the way, I'm super curious and I get bored easily and I like learning new businesses. And so I liked moving into different industries and learning, you know, different things because the people thread was there. Okay. So you shared your journey and kind of what you've learned. And I think you already shared some of this, but what, if you look back over your career, is there a moment or a lesson that really shaped who you are as a leader, right? Like, do you remember those moments or a moment? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a combination of moments, I think. Um, but I always say, yes, the, the human side of things, the people side of things, and I'm sure you can appreciate this. Business leaders can get a little suspect of that when we say, oh, but it's about the people and the human side, because they can hear that as the fluff, mm-hmm. the the not important stuff, right? Fluff the, was literally the word that came to mind. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, the soft stuff, you know, the 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 stuff that's not critical. It's overhead, it's not revenue. And 
I think actually one of the things that shaped me pretty early in my career, I didn't even realize how fortunate I was to have this leader, you know, starting in a team, we were org effectiveness and I was an internal consultant, right? I would go into the business and talk to them about team effectiveness, leadership effectiveness, things like that. And she always said to me, Teresa, you, you can't forget why you're there. We are here because we are making the business successful. So we are HR people or people, people, whatever you want to call it. Right. But we're business people. Like we're here to run a business. We happen to be in HR and bring expertise around that part of the equation. And, you know, it sounded good at the time. That advice has been like gold. I mean, that has made all the difference in how I approach my work, how I, um, when I was internal and external, right? It's like, let's not forget if I'm working on a talent strategy with a client, it is rooted in the business strategy. It's all about like, what are you trying to build? What are you trying to achieve? What goals are you trying to hit? What legacy are you trying to leave? And then we're going to figure out the right people to get us there. But it is about the people. So that connection, I think, has just shaped my entire mindset. It's how I'm wired. I've had people say, I just had this a client, I was working with a team and, and uh, we were talking about the HR team and what the HR team needed to do, who is a great team, by the way. And uh, the CEO was describing, you know, what was missing. And I said to him, I said, do you think of me as HR? And he said, no. And I'm like, okay, well, let me just remind you, <laughs> 25 years in HR, I now have my own consulting and coaching practice. And it would be categorized as, you know, I'll put it in quotes, mm-hmm. the human side, the HR side. And yet you're getting this value. And he said, he's like, it's the way you approach it. You approach it from the business back. And that, that, I mean, all of that is rooted in that first manager that just really shaped the way I think about my work. And you say this, and this is how we describe Keystone. And and you're just giving me the just perfect example of like, we are strategists by nature, but we don't think of it as strategy is one thing culture and leadership, because leadership, strong leadership and culture actually is what creates your strategy. It allows it to not be on a sheet of paper to actually come to life, right? And that's what you're saying. So to the leaders listening and to the HR leaders listening, I need you to hear what, what Teresa just said, because this is what's going to transform businesses if they see it as a business problem that there can be people answers to, right? And a business strategy that has people components to it versus seeing it as separate things. Yes. And it's not just like a little secret. It will also make you less frustrated. I promise you, because as, as HR people often, you know, we're trying to shift the business and trying to, you know, have a big impact. And they're like, why aren't people listening? We got to talk the way people listen. We got to talk the way they talk. We got to get into their world, get curious about their world. And then they're going to come, right? They're going to come and they're going to go, yeah, I want to, I want that. I want to solve that problem. So it'll also make you enjoy your work a little bit more, I think, because it gets fun when the leader is there saying, yeah, I want to do this. That's what makes it fun. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about leadership for a moment, because you work with a lot of leadership teams, a lot of individual leaders. How do you define leadership? How do you help them understand, especially in today's day? Right. Yeah. What does it mean to be a leader, to be a strong leader? Yeah. Well, um, you know, we talk a lot about um, 
servant-based leadership, um, you know, a really hyper self-aware leader. Those things are absolutely needed. But I think the most effective leaders and the thing that really uh, gets to the core of leadership is that we are there for other people. We are there to lead for other people so that other people can follow. And, you know, that... I think there's this like notion of hierarchy that gets brought up in our mind, right? Oh, you're the leader. That means you're at the top. Oh, um, you know, you have to be the smartest person in the room. That's not what it's about. It's about really saying, how do I organize groups of people towards a common vision and a common goal? And maybe leading is, you know, moving a, a roadblock out of the way. Maybe leading is taking out the trash. I mean, you know, we don't know what the task is that's gonna allow the teams and the people to unleash their talents and unleash their knowledge and superpower. And so often I think leadership gets mixed up. It gets jumbled up with like ego and brain power and position power and all those kinds of things, you know, so Mm -hmm. servant-based leadership, self-awareness, EQ, you know, all of these things. Yes, that's very, very important. And it really is about like, what are you leading for others? What are you leading so that people have something and someone to follow? And to be inspired by, right? I, I think of the, really? you know, two different kinds of powers, hierarchical power and influential power. And yes. hierarchical power can be given to you. It doesn't mean you earn it necessarily, right? It's it's you report to me, so you listen. The influential power is what we talk to leaders about is that is the powerful lifelong. If you can build that because it is about inspiration and people wanting to follow you, not just, you know, you're put in a position where they have to. Well, it's kind of, you know, we've all heard about the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you would want to be treated. And leadership is about the platinum rule treat others the way they want to be treated. They will be inspired. They will follow, but you, you do have to get out of yourself, get curious about other people so that then we know what, what are their issues? What are the roadblocks? What, where can I be useful and lead? And, you know, it's like, that is different, right? To ask the question, where can I be most useful versus where can I be most powerful? Um, And, and so to me, that's what leadership's about. That's what the most successful leaders are about. And that's what really unlocks, you know, sort of the effects of good leadership. Where can I be most useful? That is the simplest question, but it is, it sums up servant leadership sums up all of those. Where can I be most useful for the business and for the people? Yeah. Love that. yeah. Okay. So I want to just quickly dive in because you're on the superpower success podcast. So I do want to know what do you believe are a superpower or superpowers that have helped you get to this point? Cause I believe we all have our own right. Unique. What, what do you think yours are? Um, well, I named my company Mirror Mirror Strategies because I've been told, you know, you get that that feedback regularly and I've been told regularly that I have the ability to hold up the mirror for someone and help them see something that maybe they didn't see before. And that could be that could be an issue, it could be a blind spot, but it could also be their own strength. You know, gosh, I didn't know that was my superpower and now what am I going to do with that? How how can I be useful, right, with this superpower? And so I think that is one of my superpowers is to be able to 
reflect back to someone what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. And in the coaching world, that's so important because often someone will come to me with a goal or a motivation. This is what I want. And then I will reflect back to them. So you're saying you want this, but here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm observing. And that's going to get in your way. And usually that's the thing that unlocks, you know, the person to say, oh, okay, I'm going to stop hitting my head against the wall. I actually, if I just, you know, move a click to the left or to the right, that allows me to get to this thing that I really want to do. And um, so, you know, that is a superpower that I offer to people. I think the other one would just be um, a pretty healthy dose of reality. Like when you're in corporate, I think everybody gets a little big for their britches. And I mean that in like the nicest way, because I probably did it too. But, you know, there's like titles and money and stock options and all the things. And, and you do kind of forget for a minute, like any human forgets for a minute that like this is bigger than us. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than my title and what I do today. And so I think I bring a, just a dose of reality. And I try to do that through humor, through lightheartedness, through um, like, let's just be real. Let's have a little fun with it. It's fine. It's not all about being like perfectly polished. And it's just yeah. like, let's be real. And so I think those are probably the two I would say. I can attest to that. And I think that's a, it is a, it is a unique superpower that other leaders can, you can emulate so that other leaders start to build the confidence around, because I do think in larger environments, it's hard to play the game and to be able to say what you know is the right thing that needs to be said and not feel like there's going to be backlash. Absolutely. A lot of leaders struggle with that. So that kind of leads to my next question. I wanted to ask you again, because you've been a leader in large environments, so you now work with leaders. What do you think is the biggest challenge leaders are facing right now? Either we're in it or you see it on the horizon and you're like, this is going to be the next evolution that we're going to have to be ready for. That is a heavy, big question. <laughs> so many different things that could happen. So many different right. things. There's so many different things, but also I was asked to give a talk a couple months ago, um, it was a leadership summit. And, and it was, if I would talk about the leading in the new era, that was the name of the talk, leading in the new leadership for this new era, unprecedented times. And I, I started the talk with, if people believed that I was brought in because I had the secret book <laughs> with the little silver bullet then I had some oceanfront property in Arizona to sell them. But, you know, and it, so it was like sort, of, sort of a joke. But, but what the whole crux of the talk was, I think it's about going back to the basics and what we already know. We knew before the pandemic that people wanted to be seen. They wanted to belong. They wanted to feel safe. They wanted to be heard and, and know that what they're doing matters. Now, the pandemic escalated that and it accelerated the, um, I shouldn't say accelerate, it, it shortened people's patience for not getting that from their leaders, right? It shined a light. If you weren't a good leader, when we were all going in the office, we were all hanging out and, you know, you're not any better virtually. <laughs> if anything, it just made it worse, right? Because now your communication, if it's not good, like those holes just got highlighted. Right. So the whole talk about what's on the horizon and leading 
is a little bit about going back to the basics and saying, what do we know to be true about human behavior, about what people need to feel engaged, about what moves a business forward, what drives high NPS scores, what drives customer loyalty? I want to give leaders the confidence to look within themselves and say, you know what, actually, you do know some of this stuff. We might not be doing it, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're not always doing it and it's time to do it. And are there things we can learn? Absolutely. Always have a growth mindset, be ready to learn new things. But I really think what's on the horizon is is what we already know. And we need to just double down on that. It's a really good point. And I, I just keep thinking we've been talking a lot with clients about you've got to create the space. You got to create the space for the leaders to have the conversations for the employees to be able to say what they need to say. Like we aren't good about creating the space. Yeah. And yeah. right. And it's just the next thing and the next milestone and the next email and the next meeting. Right. And we're doing it to our leaders because we're not allowing them the time to do that reflection, to have clarity, to solve a problem or have an in-depth conversation with an employee. We're just going, we're on autopilot, like going through yeah. the motions, flying from one thing to the next. And yeah. I don't think there is a silver bullet for that. Um, but I think a lot of companies are now experiencing that rub where people are like, I know I have to change leaders yeah. and I'm going to have to figure out how to find the time to do that. Well, and it is, it is a tension point. I mean, I, I, I had a client call this morning where they were talking about um, they're such good problem solvers. A problem gets thrown in their way and they know how to solve the problem. Yep. And any strength overused can be an, a liability. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they acknowledged in themselves. They're like, we're so good at solving problems. Like we don't pick our head up, look at the horizon for a minute and say, well, where are we going? And so what happens is we run a hundred miles an hour into a brick wall. I mean, like, or you stub your toe along the way on something that you go, I knew better. So it's a balance. It's like, there's this tension point and it's not about a pendulum going, I'm so operational on one end, or I'm only strategic on the other. It's more like the infinity loop, right? Like you're going to have to go back and forth. And as leaders, understanding that natural tension and knowing that it's okay that those tensions exist, is that there's, that's not a problem to solve. You're going to have both tactical and strategic operational, you know, transactional, relational, both. So finding the balance in the right situation, I think, is where leaders are going to win. And that requires, frankly, um, you talked about it, Jamie, some think time. Mm-hmm. Leaders need to be able to think and process and be prepared. And we got so into this mode where you know every manager and leader has to be a contributing manager or a producing manager, whatever term you want to use. I agree with that. Long gone are the days that I just sit around and, you know, manage people. I have my own task list to do too, but we also need time to think. If we're going to ask leaders to lead and be really conscientious, then they have to think about what they're doing and they can't just be reacting constantly. They got to shift and get proactive. And that requires some think time and some space, like you said. Right. And that's where burnout is truly coming from for a lot of people is it's just none of that time to process And our brains are at like full capacity, right? Full speed all the time. And I'm wired to to be that way. 
Right. Well, and leaders have all the things that their employees have, right? I mean, you have a house full of kids. I've got pets and dogs running in the background, right? Like, so as leaders, they're people too. I mean, they might be highly compensated and have big titles and everything else, but they need the process space and the vulnerability space to be able to offer that to someone else. And when we take that away from a leader, their ability and capacity to provide that to anyone else goes way, way down. So organizationally, we have to look at that too. You know, leaders need that. It's so fun. Like I'm, I'm thinking of a blog now, so I don't steal, like nobody listening can steal this from me, but um, in my (laughs) book, I talk about, I've never been through it, thankfully, but I I know people who have is, uh, you know, um, Alcoholics like Anonymous and the the 12 step program. Mm -hmm. And what you just said triggered something for me is the 12th step. And, and to you really healing, right. And being in a good is to help someone else. Yeah. And I kind of feel like leadership, there's probably a parallel somewhere in there in that program to say, until you can help someone else, you're not good yourself, right? It's your own mask and you've succeeded when you are helping other people be able to do it. And to be good. How can I be most useful? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I love that. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, I know. So I'll get on that, right? When I have time, I'll get on that. Yeah, in your Um, free time. (laughs) Right, right. So given everything we've talked about, right, for the leaders listening, it can also be overwhelming right now because no one's listening to us and going like, I disagree. They're all going, oh, that's what I should be doing. I know. Where do they start? When you coach someone, like, what's the first step to to moving forward? Going back to our 12-step analogy here, awareness, right? Like, we need to know that there's an issue or that there's something missing. And I think that's the other thing, right? Sometimes we have an inkling or a sense or a feeling. I think as leaders, sometimes we're taught to not trust our gut, not listen to our intuition, you know, just keep your head down, work really hard, work through it, push through it, grit, right? Toughness, resilience. And yes, all of those things, but also like intuition gets developed over time. And when something's missing and there's a hole or a gap, or you're really short with your team, or, you know, you're, you're making less than ideal decisions. I mean, that's take a pause. Easy for me to say, take a vacation day, take a walk outside, do something that gets you physically breaks you from being in the environment that has you on that treadmill that has you going. And I don't think it has to be like a 10 day vacation. I mean, if you can take one, great, do it. But if it could be something as simple as just like creating the dissonance in your body to like remove yourself from that situation for a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. and move differently. When you move differently, you're going to think differently. When you think differently, you come back with all kinds of different ideas and things don't feel so scarce. You know, I think you shift into sort of an abundance, more of an abundance mentality, or at least an openness to what's possible, right? We get unstuck. And I think that's the first thing is give yourself the grace to get unstuck. And you're going to know you need to get unstuck because your intuition's probably telling you if you're listening. You just feel like you continue to just hit the same thing. It's that like you have to break the pattern is what you're saying. And I think I was just talking to a women's group. I presented to a women's group yesterday. Um, and we were talking about this and it's this whole self-care. And I think this applies to men as well. I don't think it's just women, but I almost feel like this whole self-care space, like gives me more anxiety because I feel like I'm not doing the right things. And self-care yeah. <laughs> to me is not, 
a 10 day vacation or a day at the spa. Those are great things. And I do all of them. Like that's great. <laughs> but I think it feels so out of reach for people when I can't even take a half day off of work. Right. A lot of people feel like, yeah. and I was giving an example about how I have this, I'm sharing all of my secrets here. I have this thing of chocolates that one of my team member gave me that are like the most decadent chocolates that are in my desk. And when I feel like there's something, even if it's small to celebrate, whether it's personally, or we had a win, a new client, a client impact, I go and I take a piece of chocolate and I sit by myself in my office and enjoy the piece of chocolate. <laughs> I consider that self-care. It is. Oh, it's ridiculous. Like, but it's, this is not big, complicated things we're talking about. It could be taking two minutes to do a breathing technique. If you're mm -hmm. feeling really anxious, like that's self-care. And so I think mm -hmm. we have overcomplicated what self-care actually is and some of these things that can help break the patterns, like what you're saying. Completely agree with you. I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but you know, I've written a book about imposter syndrome and I follow what's called a framework. And in the framework, it's spelled F-R-A-I-M, AIM. And that acronym means awareness, interruption, and then momentum. So awareness is the first step. Something's going on. I don't feel right. I'm getting a signal, whatever it is. Interruption. It's like stopping the flow of water. Yes. You're turning off the faucet. You're hitting the pause button. You're physically and mentally interrupting that energy so that it gets you through the moment. But that's a short-term fix, right? So those are good for in the moment. And then the real, quote, self-care comes when we find things that work for us that build the foundation that's our momentum to propel forward. And that might be journaling or meditation or carving out time for a walk or a vacation or whatever your sacred time is. But you don't have to start there. You don't have to start with the 10-day vacation. Start with the interruptions because that's the thing that's going to help you not derail and then just come back to it and build that muscle. And that's what that makes framework, it bite -bite. I just want to tell everybody, get her book because that framework has helped me specifically where I feel it the most is with social media right now, oh. right? Is, is the moment I start to feel like, oh my God, what are they doing? Oh my God, we're not doing that. I'm like, enough interruption. Like I will physically like throw my phone, like yes. press away. Right. But like, get it away from me because I feel the feeling and I need the interruption to say, stop it. Like yes. something doesn't feel good. Stop doing it. Yes. Stop thinking about it. Stop whatever it is. And so that whole interruption thing sticks in my head all the time. So I appreciate that, that you gave oh, me. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I really do. Okay. So We've talked a lot about a lot of really great, heavy stuff, right? Things that, that we need to yeah. be thinking about. So I loved every piece of this, but, but to end today, I want to have a little bit of fun. Okay. So I've got some kind yeah. of three bonus round questions just to kind of end it on a, a high note, right. And kind of a fun note here at the end. So, um, the, my first question is that if you could have a billboard up and it could say anything on it, what would you want that billboard to say? You are who you've been waiting for. I knew you were going to have a really good like quote that I could put on. <laughs> well, it's not my quote. I can't take credit for it, but it is this, um, it it's rooted in this concept that you get to be the hero of your own story and hero isn't like, I got to wear a cape, right? It's like self-care. It doesn't have to be huge. So if we think there's someone else coming, maybe, but like, why not? It's your yeah. own hero, right? I mean, so you are actually who you've been waiting for. So then just like walk through the door and be there for yourself. So that yeah. I would want to shout that from the mountaintop so that people 
feel that and they believe it for themselves. You're the, be the hero of your own story. I, I yeah. love it. Wait, this one's a little deep, but we can take it a little survey. Is What do you think the world's going to look like in five years? What do you hope the world looks like in five years or 10 years? Put a, put a horizon on it. What do you hope? I really hope that things have shifted to where, um, you know, we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion and belonging. And, and I know you and I have had some deep conversations offline about this, but when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, those things are really good and they're really important. But what we're trying to get to is a sense of belonging for everyone. And so there's this saying, you know, if diversity is being invited to the party, inclusion is being asked to dance. And I've always liked that quote. It's always made me feel like, yeah, you know, I'm included. Someone's inviting me to dance. And I've just had this aha about a year and a half ago, two years ago, where I'm like, no, that's not enough. And actually it's problematic because if diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance, then getting to real belonging is I didn't have to wait for an invitation. Like, who am I waiting? Why is just someone else determine the invite list? Why does someone else say if I get to sit at their table or not? And easier said than done, right? I mean, those are the systems that we're all a part of and the structures we're a part of. But I hope that as we keep this conversation going about building real inclusion and healthy cultures at work, that it it starts from a place of um, everybody gets to own themselves, to own their career and to be a part of the equation that makes up the company, not something they have to fit into or mold to. I love that so much. And we have a, our culture cohort event coming up in May where we're, we want to write panelists around this. And we talk a lot with our clients about creating a culture of contribution and not mm-hmm. fit. And what that means is when you're interviewing people, how do you believe they can contribute and how do they believe they can contribute to me? That's the belonging. If I feel like I contribute and I bring a totally different experience level and a totally different background to the problems we're trying to solve, that is beautiful. That's what organizations need to strive for. And that's what you're saying. And I do believe it's going to shift if people like you and I and everyone else we know is are willing to step towards this conversation instead of step around it. Yes. I think that's the biggest issue right now is right. It's a, it's a fearful place for a lot of people, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be talking about it. That's right. So I that's love right. that. Okay. And then my last question is to lead well, you need to be well, right? So we believe in being our own chief energy officers, right? Our own CEOs. Yes. Um, what do you do consistently to be your own chief energy officer? So I, I try to laugh as much as I can. <laughs> um, I love a good comedian. I love a good uh, joke. I love the groany, punny jokes that you're just like, dad oh, jokes. yeah, the dad <laughs> jokes. I love it. I actually subscribe to this like dadjoke.com <laughs> thing that comes to my inbox every day. And I just love it. Um, for me, it, it kind of goes back to the keeping it real, right? Like if we can laugh nine times out of 10, I'm laughing at myself, right? I mean, like if we can laugh about things, I do think that it creates just a sense of, um, I don't know, equity. Like it's going to be okay. We all do weird things. You know, I sent a super embarrassing text yesterday. It was to a client. Luckily I know them well and, you know, stupid autocorrect, right? You know, and I was just mortified and I'm like, oh God, thank goodness I know you. But yeah, 
you know, and, and the response I got back was, um, I really needed that laugh. Like, thanks for acknowledging it and not just like skipping over it. And then I would have thought I would have been sitting here thinking, oh, she's so embarrassed. She feels bad. I'm like, let's just name it. Like it is what it is. And, and, and then we can move past it and actually be stronger because of it. Right. I mean, so it's not just like self-deprecating. I mean, like really find the humor, you know, in things, find the, find the lightness in things. There's, there's way more heavy things. So for me, if I can find a way to laugh and my dad joke, Mm-hmm. at least daily is, is one of those ways. Uh, I try to do that. I think everyone should subscribe to that. I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's so true is that life can be heavy, right? But it's finding those ways to just light, lighten the load a little bit. And yeah. I think that's a great place to end this conversation because that's what we all need more of, right? So go find more of what you need in your life and, and less of the things that, that don't give you that, yeah. um, that energy. So Thank you. I knew this was going to be a fantastic conversation. You I loved it. Yeah. It was so fun. Thank you for taking the time to do this. And, and to our listeners, thanks for continuing to engage. You know my gratitude for this community that we've created and and having people like Teresa come and, and share their honest journeys and just like, here's what we do well and here's areas we have to grow. And I we're all on that path together. And so I just appreciate this community and um, the ability to be able to do this and have these kinds of true conversations, I think that are gonna impact a lot of people. So thanks to everyone for, for allowing us to do this work. Awesome, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.